We are now days away from finding out the players who Jurgen Klinsmann will call in for the 30-man squad that will head to Stanford in preparation of the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, you know him, Ivis Galarsep. What's cracking, buddy? Nothing much, my man. It's uh, it's it's getting crazy around SBI headquarters because we're less than five weeks away. We're almost a month away from the World Cup, and it's uh, it's it's yeah, it's getting real. It's getting real right now, and uh, this is the this is go time. So uh, you know, I, I'm excited, looking forward to it, f- making all the last you know finalizing the last details, getting get, getting everything ready, mm-hmm. and here we are. Like like you just said, we're only a few days away from finding out. The 30 names that will make up the pool that Klinsman will pick his 23-player World Cup roster from. Well, I don't, I don't think anyone really cares about that roster. I mean, more importantly, I was, I mean, have you started packing yet? That, that's the biggest problem uh, that's facing the show right now. Uh, I need to go buy new luggage, actually. My, my, my luggage has, has finally, like, met its end. Uh, you know, it's time, to get, it's time to get some new pieces. Uh, they lasted me a good, good amount of time, but mm-hmm. unfortunately... Thanks to the folks at United, my uh, my main piece of luggage got uh, got beat up and 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 broken basically. Uh, actually, coming back from MLS Cup because I uh, you know I I did the whole MLS Cup slash side trip to Costa Rica and and they lost my luggage and then when I finally got it back a week later it was broken. And, oh, uh, yeah, I remember this now. Yeah, you know I didn't I never even reached out to them about uh, trying to get reimbursed for that because I've been just so busy. So I don't even I don't even know if I can at this point. But yeah, I need to go get some luggage. Uh, and then once I actually buy it, then then I can think about starting to fill it. But I'd tell you what, I just booked my trip to San Francisco for the training camp, and I got I got to get the luggage ready for that because that's going to be. Uh, I'll be out there for a week, and and the players actually start reporting on Wednesday, I believe it is. So we'll hear. I would imagine Monday or Tuesday we'll hear who the thirty player who the thirty players are, and then they start reporting to Stanford on uh, in the middle of the week. And there you go. Then we'll know who the thirty players are that are going to be fighting for those spots. Mm-hmm. And and some speculations already coming out over this guy or that guy. You know, some guys are already. Coming back to America from overseas, they're training with uh, various clubs. We'll get into that. Lots to talk about on today's show. We'll talk international. Americans abroad will preview MLS Week 10. Really quickly, though, I have this U.S. men's national team. We have a few injury updates to report on. We mentioned this on the last show. Omer Gonzalez looks like he won't be ready to play this weekend. Looks like he possibly needs some more time with the left knee. I mean, he'll still get called in the camp, but cause for concern, or, or is it too premature? Well, LA has definitely done their part to try to downplay the, the severity of it, uh, but it has gone from he left the game for precautionary reasons to now it's a tweak and now it's one to two weeks. So uh, it doesn't sound like it's you know uh, where he's going to miss the World Cup, but it is something that he has to deal with and, and get through. And I mean, he's still going to go to the camp. I'm sure they'll work with him there and 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 rehab him and try to get him ready because I mean at the you know he is he is part he's going to be part of the 23 I, I don't think there's a question there if he's healthy so they I'm sure they're going to take as much time as they can um just to make sure he's okay because the the final 23 man roster doesn't get announced or isn't finalized until June 2nd so there's plenty of time there uh a month almost um to figure things out so he he's uh you know, if he has any setbacks or if it turns out to be worse than first thought, then yeah, obviously at that point, Clemson is going to have to make some make a tough decision. But 
as of right now, it sounds like it's not going to necessarily keep him out of Brazil. Uh, another player, Ivis, that that really needs to step over in the next month to get to Brazil is Eddie Johnson. Uh, he recently made some comments saying, "I didn't have, you know, he's not having his." He pretty much dogged on his teammates in DC. People can read the article and his quotes and stuff like that. He had to go back and apologize, though. But I mean, kind of really not a good time for Eddie Johnson to be really making these comments, negative comments about his teammates, especially when he's dealing with a little bit of an injury and there's no guarantee that he's going to Brazil. Right. I mean, it was the time he was horrible. I mean, you're talking. He's already dealing with the injuries. You don't know. You don't know what what's going on there. He hasn't had the best season. He's put in a lot of work. I will say this for D, for him at DC. I know people will look at his goal total uh, and say, "Oh, hey, he hasn't scored a goal. He's 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 terrible. He's not in form." But I mean, if you watch them play, he does. A, he has. You know, he's done a lot of the dirty work there, and a lot of the things that they've asked of him. And DC's been off to a really good start. Uh, they've exceeded expectations, and part of that is because of Johnson putting in the dirty work. Um, does that mean he's at his best right now, or he was at his best before the injury? I wouldn't go that far, but I think maybe some people have been a little hard on, on him as far as how how he's played at D.C. I think he's been better than maybe some people give him credit for. Now, as far as the comments, and for those who missed them, basically what he said was, you know, it's it's different playing at D.C. than Seattle because Seattle, you know, with Seattle, he had to do less running. The team, you know, his teammates there were more technical with the ball. They were better with the ball than D.C. And and you know what? I, like I, the way I looked at that, um, I think it was just a case of him being a little tone deaf and not realizing how those comments could be construed as being really negative. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the comments in, in and of themselves make him a bad person or a bad teammate. Uh, but I just think he needed to be a little smarter about that, and he clearly wasn't smart about that. I know, I know, you know. I know some people were like, "Oh, well, he was just being honest. He was just speaking his mind." But you know what? There's being honest, and there's knowing. There's certain things you just shouldn't say. That's like saying, you know, you know, you shouldn't tell your, you know, your 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 wife that she looks, you know, looks bad in a dress. You just go along with it. And and with your teammates, you, if your new teammates are not as good as your old teammates or are your old teammates were better at certain things. You don't talk about it. You don't bring it up. Uh, you know, I know some people will give him credit for being honest, but that's also not being that smart. So especially when you're him, uh, world cups coming, you want to avoid controversy, especially given his history. He has, he has a reputation as being a bad teammate, a bad locker room guy. If you're somebody with a bad reputation and you know, you have a bad reputation, you should absolutely avoid making comments that could be t- construed as negative so you know it's unfortunate now was that gonna is that gonna keep him off the world cup team i i don't i doubt that i don't i don't think klinsman is gonna say oh well he he shouldn't have said that about his teammates uh, i'm going to cut keep him off that was a horrib- klinsman, that horrible that was my spanish that was my spanish shirt in klinsman that was but, the uh, worst yeah, one you've done so far that's pretty bad it's pretty bad i was i didn't i didn't practice at all i didn't practice at all but uh but yeah so I, is it gonna keep him off no I, I don't i don't think that keeps him off i think if anything keeps him off the team it's going to be the form of other forwards and and his health you know i mean it's crazy to think but if i I, you know if i recall correctly uh he was injured uh four years ago at this time um i think he also had a hamstring injury i could be wrong about that i'd have to do a little digging but i seem to recall that that he was injured around the same time last time and that kept him out and if he's injured again uh, that's not going to be good. But, I mean, it, it sounds like he's going to play this weekend against Philly. I don't know if he's going to start, but, you know, that that should be a good opportunity for him to show mm-hmm. if he's healthy or not. If he's healthy, he's going to go to Stanford. I, I, would, I, I, I find it hard to believe he would not go to Stanford. But as far as the World Cup, for me, I think he's on the outside looking in right now. 
I uh, completely agree. Another player, Ibis, dealing with a little bit of an injury, Aaron Johansson. He's going to have to shake off an ankle injury to help Azed qualify for Europa League place next season. But he did return to training this week, so uh, everything looks fine in Kevin Bacon land. Uh, well, at this point, we don't know. Um, the, his team is in the is in the Europa League playoff. Uh, for those who don't know, the Dutch League, uh, they play a four-team playoff where the winner of those playoffs uh, secures a, a spot in the Europa League for the next season. Azed is in that, and the semifinals of the first the first leg of the semis of that he missed. He missed. He missed their three zero win against Herenveen. Um, he's got an ankle injury, and and as of right now, we don't know what's going on with it. I mean, it's, it's not going to keep him off out of the World Cup, but no. um, you you want to you know we haven't been given updates. Or there there has, hasn't been a definitive update on just how long he'll be out. Um, it's you know he could miss the second leg, and that's he, the thing. He, well, he did return to training on Thursday, so I mean that that's at least a positive. That is a positive, absolutely. And now, if he if they do win, they're up three zero after the first leg, so you'd like to think they're going to advance. But if Her- if they beat Heronvane, then that means another. Most likely, he's going to have to miss another week, or he's going to miss the first week of the training camp. Which you know, it, it's not it's not that huge a deal. Uh, from what I've been told, I think the first, maybe the, the beginning week is going to be mo- mostly MLS guys anyway, with a few European based guys. But um, it, I wouldn't worry too much about this for Johansson. I think he'll be fine. Um, but you want to see, you know, if he gets back and maybe puts in a few more goals uh, before he comes to the camp. So hopefully he gets that opportunity. Also, Ivis, uh, not on the injury front, but I mentioned it before. A few players have come back. Tim Ream, who is uh, who, won, who won double awards at Bolton this year, and they won the club award as as the team defender of the year. He's in New York training, uh, you know, training, staying in shape, you know, probably because he's going to get called into that camp. Uh, that's it's a fair assumption, I think. I mean, I you know we've been saying it for a while now that uh, you know he should be you know he's probably going to make it. I mean, he, he's just he was just named Bolton Player of the Year. He's coming off a really good season, and uh, I think he's going to be there. And uh, the fact that he is training, he's training here uh, in Jersey with his old club. I mean, I think that's a pretty positive sign. You know, if he when I mean when you think about it, if if his if he was done uh, and he wasn't going to go to the camp, he'd probably stay home with his you know his newborn baby. Uh, well, it's not new, but you know, it's a couple months old now. Uh, so you know, he probably stay there, but he's here, so that tells you, you know what? Maybe he's coming. Maybe he's going to the camp. I think it's a safe bet. I mean, you look at the center back pool, and you look at his versatility. I mean, it's a give. It's a given. And I know some people will give me crap because I've been uh, one of the bigger proponents of Tim Ream's game since mm-hmm. he, you know, was a rookie at the Red Bulls. But I tell you what, the guys really put it all together, and I think now we're going to get to see that. We're really going to get to see him play. Um, you know, a lot of you know people haven't had a chance to see him play at Bolton, so now we're going to see him with the national team. See how much he's improved, uh, and it'd be good to see. It'd be good to see him in those send off games and see him really have a chance to compete. Because for me, and I've said it, I've said it forever. When he's when his defending is stable, his passing is on such a level that it, it's it's a bonus for the national team. Like he it's a he can make the position of center back a plus position. And he can absolutely compete, in my opinion, with someone like Omar Gonzalez for that starting job. Because think about this, right? If you had Beesler and Tim Ream as your center back tandem, you're not going to have the height. You're not going to have the the presence in the penalty area, which I th- I'm sure is a concern. But from a technical standpoint, those two guys, I mean, I know they're both left-footed, so can you really play them both? But it's something to think about. I mean, I think Ream is that good uh, uh, a technical player in the back and, mm-hmm. and Klinsman wants that it's so uh, it's something to keep an eye out on well it, it's it's as you've mentioned before you know people want to remember certain guys performances from two 
three years ago type of thing where, oh, you know, that guy wasn't that good and, you know, how how could he be good again? And I mean, the case in point is, is you know, Alejandro Bedoya who, you know, kind of fell off the face of the world and came back and everyone's like, oh, where did Bedoya come from and blah, blah, blah. It's just, I always find it funny when, when people view players, you know, from two years ago, three years ago. So watch, watch Tim Ring get to camp, we'll get a game in and everyone's going to change their opinion on him. Another player that's back returning is Demarcus Beasley. He's soaking up the Rays in Florida. Obviously, I guess he should you know, for sure be called into that camp. No, he's there. He's going to be there. I mean, the only question with him now, it, the two questions are, A, can he stay healthy because uh, he's obviously an older player, and B, will he start at left back or will he uh, be the backup to Fabian Johnson? I mean, that's the real question. You know, how does be, how does Klinsman use those two players? Uh, does he partner them on the left wing? Does he, does he maybe move Johnson, uh, you know, somewhere else? Or does he keep Johnson as a starter and sit Beasley? Uh, it's a good problem to have. Um, but obviously beyond those two, the depth gets a little suspect on the left side. So he, he's he's going to be fine. And I think, you know, I know he had, he had some shaky moments later on in the in the hex. And, and, and is, is he a pure defender? No, he's not a pure defender. And he's a converted fullback. And I thought he did well early on in the hex at the position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to start, though. For me, I think Fabian Johnson's a better option. And I think even Timmy Chandler, if he's on his game, I think he's a better option. Who gets left home? Demarcus Beasley or Brad Evans? Mm, uh, I, I tell you what, I, I don't. It's a tough that, one. No, I don't. I, I don't think it's tough. I think for me, Brad Evans is the guy. You, oh. you know, based on form, oh. you, leave, you leave him home. What is wrong uh, with you? I'm just keeping it real, man. I mean, he hasn't. You know, unfortunately for Evans, he hasn't been in the best of form on the national team side the last six months on, when he's had his opportunities. And then he picks up this injury that kept him out for a good while with Seattle. And now he's come back from that, and he's had some shaky moments. He had the penalty against FC Dallas, which I know you tried to blame on Blas Perez. And I'll, listen, I'll say this, folks. I'm as hard on Blas Perez as anybody as far as his diving and his you know, fakery and histrionics. And he is like – he's the Panamanian Stephen Lenhart when it comes to a lot of this stuff. But on that play, it was a foul. It was a PK. Brad Evans was not looking. He was he just you can't as a defender, you can't just run around in the penalty area and clip somebody. And then, you know, it, it's it's not a foul. It absolutely was a foul. So, you know what? I, for me, if Tim Chandler's on his game, you bring Tim Chandler. He's a, he's a more versatile player. He's a better player. I mean, it's it, it's boy, as simple as this. I mean, it should be simple. I mean, I know folks in Seattle might freak out and be like, oh, no, Brad Evans is great. How dare you? But he is great. How dare you? He's a great he's a great MS player, no question. But do you take the guy who doesn't even play fullback for his club team? Or do you take the guy who starts at fullback in the Bundesliga? I think it's a pretty simple question, a simple answer. Um, so for me, yes, I'm going Timmy Chandler if he's healthy and he's ready to go 100%. I go with him, and I go with you know Michael Parkhurst as well. Parkhurst is mm-hmm. versatile. I would take Parkhurst over Evans because you know what? Evans is not going to play left back. I know he's he you know he got deputized there by Seattle. They threw him in there because they had you know Dylan Remick and, and Leo Gonzalez both hurt. But he's not a left back. He's not playing left back in an international no. game, and he's struggled at right back uh, lately on the international game. Now you give Brad Evans credit. He he put in some really good shifts during the hex. They needed somebody there. He stepped up. He did well. 
but you, you you're not obligated to keep guys because they turned in some good shifts in the hex. It's just not the case. Yeah, so, they would have taken Connor Casey to the 2010 World Cup. Exactly. So I think for me, he I think he could he is going to be he could be one of those guys that ends up getting left out. It's amazing though, just like that. You know, we've been talking about the you know outside back depth for the U.S. Men's National Team. You know, you have tons of guys in conversation now: Fabian Johnson, Demarcus Beasley, Jeff Cameron, Michael Parker, Brad Evans, Timmy Chandler. Some of these guys, I it's going to be tough to see them left home, but. That's just the way it works. It just shows you how much depth there is and how much more depth there is this time around than there has ever been. I mean, I've, I've been saying it for a while now. When that 23 is selected, you're going to have almost the second 23 of guys that you could say, man, you know, I could have seen that guy on the team. And if you go back even four years ago, you'd lucky if you had a handful of guys that you, you felt were, you know, could have been on the team that weren't, you know what I mean, like that that were just, just missed the cut. This time around, you're going to have several guys – who a lot of people think, man, he's good enough. He should be there. I mean, you, you know, someone like Joe Corona. I mean, I think Joe Corona. I, I, I'm afraid to say it. I don't think he's going to make the World Cup team. But he's very. He's a good player. He's good enough to be there. But he misses. I think he misses out. Um, that's so. He's just one example. Juan Agudelo, someone as well. Who you know what? If you had told me, you know, in any previous cycle that you've got a 21 year old. Americans who, who gets regular playing time in the Dutch league at a, as as a forward, I'm putting that guy in a World Cup team. Like, there's no way he's not in a World Cup team. But guess what? Times have changed. Times are changing. And there's just that much more depth and that much more competition. And I don't think – I really don't think that's a bad thing because, you know what, it gives you options and it allows you to go in other directions if there are guys who just aren't in good form or who are injured. It's like we're catching up to the rest of the world, Ivis, where countries have debates over whether or not guys should make it. It's weird, isn't it? I don't know about catching up with the rest of the world, but <laughs> it, it's 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 a better place to be in, no doubt about it, because you want to have options. You don't want to have to go with guys or, or, or even worse, scrape by with the last few guys you put on your team. And that's happened. That's happened in the past couple World Cup cycle, maybe not in 2010, but even 2002, 2006, you know, there were a few guys toward the tail end that you're like, you know, they were there were just wasn't competition for the spots. And, and, and you had some guys on there who just really you looked. I'm not going to name any names. I don't want to put anybody down. But there were guys that on the tail end of the rosters in those years that you're like, yeah, is this like is this guy really should he be on a World Cup team? So it just shows you how much the depth has grown in the pool and, and the player pool has grown. And, and you know, part of that is obviously MLS. But part of that is also the, the influx of the of the foreign uh, foreign-born uh, dual nationals. Mm-hmm. I mean, all all be, between all the German Americans and also the Mexican Americans as well. I mean, guys like you know Jose Torres and Edgar Castillo and Joe Corona. You know, who maybe in the past might have chosen to play for Mexico. Uh, there's just more options, and obviously all the German Americans. So that's that's created the player pool. Uh, and and I and I will say this, and and, and it's a little. Uh, some people might say it's it's it's. Awkward to point out, but yeah, you know, it, it's almost misleading in a way because people will look and say, "Oh, look at how deep, much deeper the pool is." It, it shows you how how good we're getting at developing talent, and it's mm. a little misleading because look at all these guys when you when you run down the line and Fabian Johnson, Tim Chandler, Jermaine Jones, Terrence Boyd, Aaron Johansson, John Brooks, Mix Discrude, uh, You know, these these guys are not developed by the American system, so it, it, it's a little. It's a little, almost a bit of a mirage. So, you know, on, on, in some ways, yes, the talent is getting a bit better, but it's not uh, the the player development system isn't isn't exactly like hit a new level. I think that's a little bit misleading. 
we, we've talked about this before, and, and I mean, that's another debate for the academy system and, and all that, which Come we, on, don't, we don't need them. to get into. Come on, this. bash the academies. People want you to do it. Do, what, name, what do you, name, name names. Let's go. What do you want me to say? <laughs> that the that that half the MLS teams take it seriously, and then the other academies are just glorified youth club teams that really don't train properly? I mean, look, I don't need to go into it because I'll get in trouble. Name names, buddy. I'm not naming names, but the academy system does need some help. Moving on, Ivis. Whistleblower. Let's go. <laughs> There's Whistle- nothing to blow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even, uh, yeah. We're keeping that on the show. <laughs> there's, there's no whistle that needs to be blown. That's what I should have said. All right, Ivis, it's time to move on. Talk MLS week 10. We can talk about the U.S. men's national team roster all next week. We break down who Jurgen brought in, who he didn't bring in, who's going to make the squad, all that fun stuff. MLS week 10, though. First game of the weekend, Philadelphia taking on D.C. United. Ivis, Philadelphia is winless in their last eight matches. And more importantly, John Hackworth is on the hot seat. This is a match that he cannot lose because if he loses to D.C., and no offense to D.C., but if if Philadelphia loses and then goes nine matches without a win, I think we could see a new manager in Philadelphia. Oh, no, it's make or break time. It's it's absolutely make or break time uh, for Hackworth. If, If they lose... And it's not exactly a reason to say if they, if the union lose to DC United, John Hackworth is going to be fired. I mean, I just don't I just don't see how he survives that. And I, and I've seen quotes from him this week. I think he knows that. I think he has to know that. I think his team has to know that. And you know, as if you do, as if you need any more to play for as a union player playing against DC, you haven't won in eight matches. You're desperate for a win anyway. Um, you know what? Having your coach's job on the line's got to add a little more to it. So. It, it, I want to see how the union respond. They're going to tell the tale. They're going to they're they are going to speak volumes about what Hackworth standing is with that team. Because listen, if those players respect Hackworth and they and he's someone they want to fight for, then they're going to fight for him and they're going to play the kind of game that that gets you a W. Now, if they come out flat, they make mistakes, they crap the bed, they lose at home. That's gonna that's gonna speak volumes. That's gonna say you know what this team. Is not they're not uh, responding to Hackworth. They don't, you know, he's not their coach. Like they're they're not hooked. To, they're not tied to him because you know if you're a player and you love your coach and your coach is like and you believe in your coach and your coach is like knows what he's talking about and and you buy into what he's saying, you're gonna play your ass off. You're gonna you're gonna give it your all. You and if, when you know his job is on the line, you're gonna go out there and you're gonna put put the kind of game. That you know shows that that shows people he is the right guy for the job, and it, it, that's what it's going to come down to. If, if the union lose this game, uh, and especially if they don't look good, if they look bad and, and they and they get beat soundly, or even if they just lose and they don't play well, that that is going to be the the ultimate. Uh, you know that the verdict's going to be there. The mm-hmm. verdict's going to be there. He's uh, Hackworth's going to be gone. It's look. You're right. I mean, Union just they they have to eliminate the mental mistakes. But I mean, last time these two teams played, they played to a one-one draw. But I mean, DC is just so much more improved since then. I mean, look, DC. You know, their 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 win their winning streak got stamped last week against Portland at the last second. But I mean, DC's not going to be pushed over for this game. It's Philadelphia, man. It's just crazy to see that the spiral they've been into that, that since the beginning of the season. Uh, a team that's on the rise, Ivis Portland. They defeated DC last weekend. They're taking on the LA Galaxy this weekend. What do you think? They're at home. Opportunity for them to kind of keep keep the positives going. Defeat the Galaxy, who are coming off a interesting loss. 
Well, I'll tell you what, it's gonna it, it's uh, it's a good matchup, and and you know if you if you look at Portland's record, you might think, oh, you know they should lose this one. No, they're at home. La La won't have Omar Gonzalez. Uh, I, I, it's all set up there for Portland to get this win. And Portland obviously had LA's number last year. For those who remember, I know it's a new year, but I feel like much like there were still kind of the lingering remnants of last year's dominance by RSL on Portland mm-hmm. when they played this time around. You know, when you have a team's number, you, you just feel a little better about going up against them. You know, you get on the field, you see them, and you feel like, yeah, we handled them last year. You know, I feel good that we can keep doing that. And and it works the other way, too, where if a team just owned you last year, you're on the field, you want to beat them, but you're in the back of your mind, you're like, you know, these guys always seem to find a way to beat us. I think Portland's going to go on with some confidence. LA's not going to have Omar Gonzalez, which is which is huge. I think it's huge for them uh, not having him there. Uh, I think that's a big loss for them. I think Portland's going to take advantage, and I think it's going to be a big game for the Timbers, and I think they're going to win at home. Well, Ivis, you know LA Galaxy and Bruce Arena are going to want to give some payback, though, to Caleb Porter for that celebration that Porter did to Arena last year uh, up at Providence Park. But kind of the one thing about the Galaxy that, that's been interesting, though, is that if Robbie Keane doesn't score, Landon Donovan doesn't score, it doesn't seem like the Galaxy have much production going on right now. Yes, you have Steven Ishizaki, who did have a brace a couple weeks ago, but for the Galaxy, I mean, someone needs to step up here pretty soon for them because these guys are going to be here uh, when, when World Cup time happens. Uh, okay, first of all, there was no celebration uh, <laughs> that Caleb Porter did that Bruce Arena got upset about. Okay, Bruce Arena was angry at the at the officials because of the time, because it was like short stoppage time. He felt it should have been more. And as he was freaking out on the official, the fourth official, uh, he saw Caleb Porter, and then he just kind of responded to something Caleb Porter said. There was no like celebration. Caleb, look, Caleb Porter is not is like the last guy who like does like the big celebration thing. Like, trust me on that. Right, so right. I just want to clarify for people because we don't want any any misinformation getting out there. It is it will be nice to see them. They they made up. They made they made up that same day, actually. <laughs> Funny enough. They uh they hugged they hugged it out. They hugged it out. So it was all good. Um but yeah, no, the, if you're LA, you want you need the you, you want this win. You, you don't want to, you know, get into too much of a slide. And uh I, I obviously yes, they they rely heavily on Keen and, and Donovan and, and Ishizaki's been a nice touch for them as well. But they do need a little more in the attack. They do need someone else to step up. And it's funny. There are all these reports now about everyone and their mother being linked to the Galaxy as new players. Alessandro Del Piero, Sasha Kleshton. Um, so, you know, it, it makes you wonder how, what they're trying to do and if how much – because if, is, if, is any of it real? I mean, players have been linked to L.A. and New York since MLS started. That's just a thing. It, I'm Like, at this point, it's it, it, and it's always kind of been – Agents around the world seem to know that if they just link their players to an L.A. or or New York and MLS, it gives the impression that they have that option, that, that they can go make some quote-unquote big money in, ML, in, in MLS in the USA. But again, Galaxy have three designated players right now. The only way that they can add a th- another one is if they move one. And if they're going to move one, it'll probably be Omar Gonzalez. Uh, I've been saying for a while, I I think he will be gone by the end of the year. I think they're going to move him. I think there's a lot of interest in him, um, and I think they can get a pretty decent-sized transfer for him. But that's still a ways down the road, I think. So um, it's up to the players that they have right now to start stepping it up, whether it's Rob Friend, Jossie Zardes. Hey, Landon Donovan. Landon Donovan needs to score a goal. He's been sitting on the record for a while, for I don't know how many weeks now. Two weeks, I think. It's been. It feels like it's been a lot longer. I can tell you that. But uh, he needs to start scoring. He needs to start scoring some goals. And uh, obviously, he's only he only has one more game before he goes to the camp. So um, 
L.A., I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, going on there. They're, they're, they're better than they're showing, uh, but they do need to figure some things out pretty quickly. Uh, two of the hottest teams in the league meet this weekend when New England hosts the Seattle Sounders. This is going to be an intriguing matchup because when you look at the Seattle Sounders, they have a five-match winning streak. New England's on a four-match unbeaten streak, and New England's playing some really good soccer right now. They defeated Sporting Kansas City 2-0. to They then defeated Toronto FC 2-1. to is New England going to be the team, Ibis, that finally shuts the door on the Seattle Sounders? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, it's, a, it's a very good matchup. This is probably the game of the week, actually. I know we led with uh, D.C. Philly. But, uh, you know, New England's on good form. They just uh, they just posted that impressive win mm-hmm. uh, against uh, Toronto. And now Seattle has to go to New England. And it's not an easy, not an easy place to play by any means. Uh, you do have Clint Dempsey's return to New England. I'm pretty sure that's his first time. Going back there, and uh, I don't know what New England fans have planned for that, or if they care. I mean, it's been a long time since Dempsey was with the Revs. Um, but Matt, from a matchup standpoint, I really like what I saw from New England defensively last week against mm-hmm. Toronto, and I think you know I think they can do it. I think they, the way their you know their center backs are, are playing, Jose Gonzalez is injured, but Andrew Farrell has really done well, really come into his own uh, for them, and uh, you know he was almost I, I he almost made. He almost made the uh, SBI MLS Best 11 for the month of April. Uh, he was honorable mention, but he's really fit in well as a central defender for them. And Andy Dorman, actually, quietly enough, has has really started to do a good job in that kind of defensive midfield role for them. But I tell you what, Seattle's a whole other animal. You've got Clint Dempsey. You've got Obafemi Martins, Lamar Nagel. Uh, that trio is just wreaking havoc. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I want it's going to mention it's an interesting matchup. Uh, I think New England is going to halt the winning streak. I don't know if they're going to win, but I think at least they get a tie. It's going to come down to what New England can do with its chances. Uh, Lee Wynn is really on good form right now. You could argue, you know, he's early, early, early days uh, front runner for Player of the Month mm-hmm. for May. He's looking really good, um, but they need Kellen Rowe back. I think Ke- Kellen Rowe, you know, he was in training last week. He's been out for so long. Now he's potentially goes up against his hometown team. He's from he's from Washington State. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he gets back. If he gets back, I really like New England's chances to win that game. And if not, I think they at least get a tie. I like New England to get a result. So you know what? I'll go one zero New England. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I mean, I feel pretty good about New England in, in this game, especially when you look at just how well the defense has been playing over the last two matches. I mean, you shut out Sporting Kansas City, then you defeat Toronto FC, as you said. Andrew Farrell's looking money at center back. Andy Dorman really stepping up for them. I mean, and Lee Wynn has been money over the last few weeks. I mean, he did this last year too. And then the thing for Seattle, as much as things are really going well for Seattle, when when you look at the teams that they've played. Other than Colorado, I mean, Seattle really hasn't gone up against a really solid defense that's in great form right now. And I think New England, man, they, they have that potential to just kind of stick it to Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, a, it's a, you know, if you look at the last few games now, and, and this is what gets lost a bit because it's like, you know, well, you, you, you remember the comebacks, the stirring late winners and, and the last few games now that they played against Philly and, and FC Dallas. You know, they've had Chad Marshall and, and, and then Kenny Cooper come up with these late winners for them to win these games. As good as Seattle, as as well as Seattle has played, they the last few weeks, they they the last few games, they've shown some vulnerability. They've shown as far as struggling a bit with teams. Uh, well, obviously, FC Dallas came in looking to bunker in and, and really try to I don't want to say they parked the bus, but it was definitely a defend encounter. Uh, let's let's uh, disrupt their play type of approach. Philly didn't do that. Philly was the opposite. Philly really tried to play 
with Seattle, and they took it to them, and they and they really gave them a game. I think New England. I agree with you. They're best equipped uh, in terms of their form, in terms of their their defense playing really well, um, and and with Lee Wynn on good form. I think they're they're the best team uh, that Seattle has played during this stretch, uh, at least in terms of the form coming into the match. So I think Seattle, the the, the kind of vulner, the vulnerabilities we've seen in the last few games. I think New England can take advantage of those, and I think they, I think they, they can slow New England down. I mean, uh, slow Seattle down. And uh, you know what? I'm not going to say one zero. I'm going to say two one because shutting out Seattle, that's pretty tough. Not to say it's impossible, but I'll, I'll say two one New England. I think New England's going to take uh, take advantage of a few things, and they're going to need Till Bunbury to score a goal, and I think Lee Wynn uh, gets it done again with another goal. Yeah, it's if New England can shut them out, Ivis. Woo. That'd be, uh, that'd be pretty big time right there. Uh, another game, Columbus Crew taking on the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, this is an interesting one, Ivis, because Columbus, as much as things, you know, when, when, when you think of Columbus, you think, oh, you know, season's going pretty well for them. It really hasn't gone that well for them as of late. The team is really looking for a victory. The last victory for Columbus, think about this, was on March 29th against the Seattle Sounders. Columbus lost their last two games. Vancouver, things working out well for them right now. Uh, starting to kind of get hot at the right time. You know, and this is a really good opportunity for Vancouver for the younger guys to kind of really give it to Columbus, who's kind of really not in the best of form as of late. Oh, right. They've, Columbus is winless in six, and it, it's funny how how this winless streak has kind of creeped up on them when when you, when you looked at the games that they've been playing, and you know they've been on pretty decent form. And 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 what's interesting about that stretch is they haven't looked terrible as far as I can think of in any of those games, and and you end up in that situation where. And it's almost kind of like Philly. They, they, it's like Philly in a way, in, in that they're, they're they're playing some good soccer, but it's not translating in the in, in the goals. But where I think it's different, where they're a little different uh, than than Philly is that they're not they don't they're not making as many mistakes as Philly defensively. So you, you look at both those teams, Philly and Columbus. I think they're in similar boats in that sense that they they're, they're if you watch them play, you're like you know this mm-hmm. team. Should, this team should be a little better than the record, and and then you watch and you realize, okay, final third needs better, uh, their attack needs to do better, uh, and then in the case of Philly, their defense needs to start needs to stop having these brain farts. Um, Columbus, their defense is better, uh, so for me, I think yeah, they've they've been right there, even against Kansas City. I mean, as tough a game as that was for them, they were kind of in that game. They they weren't getting dominated. They you know they 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 were they had a pretty good matchup there against KC. Credit the KC to pull, you know, for pulling that one out. But uh, you know what? I think in this one, I think Columbus. It's uh, the the one eh. thing is Vancouver does struggle on the road, and Columbus well, does get well trapped back in this game. And I think those uh, yeah. two things will probably have you leading towards Columbus defeating Vancouver. But as you said, I mean Columbus is not in the best of form. Nah, but see, that's the thing. They're not. Their form hasn't isn't been that awful, honestly. I mean, the results are, are not there. But and like you said, I agree. The Vancouver is a different team at home. They, they they have a different gear that they can get to when they're at home. And I think on the road, they're going to struggle a bit. Uh, and I think also, like I've like I've said, Columbus's defense has been pretty solid. And as long as you're you know with the players with the def- defenders that they have. I think they can contain Vancouver. They can deal with the issues that Colum- that Vancouver presents to teams. So I think it's be a good game. This is going to be, you know, if you're if you're sitting around and you have some time, and you want to watch a game. This is this is kind of going to fly under the radar a bit, but this I think is going to be a really good soccer game. Uh, I'm going to go Columbus. I think Columbus wins this one. Iguain 
it's time for him to have himself a game, and I think he has it. Uh, Chicago Fire Ibis will be traveling to the Big Apple to take on the New York Red Bull. Chicago still does not have a victory on the season, and sorry, Chicago Fire fans, there's no way you're going to get it against New York, who's riding the red-hot Bradley Wright Phillips. Let it be known, New York as a team is playing pretty good soccer, but Bradley Wright Phillips has really pushed this team over the edge, which has given New York uh, you know, their, their wins over the last couple games now. Well, I'll tell you what, this is a this is a very, very if you're the Red Bulls, you gotta be pretty uh excited about this uh, this matchup because Chicago, their defense the uh is set up for, for the Red Bulls to really go at them with Terry Henry. And I know Bradley Wright Phillips is scoring the goals and he's he's getting some of the headlines, but Terry Henry has been the creator. He's been the guy who's really been setting up uh, I think he set up almost all of Bradley Wright Phillips' chances, and that's the thing. He's kind of become the puppet, puppet master now, uh, much the way when Kenny Cooper had his big year in New York. You know, Henri was uh, was on the on the you know the 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 tail the creative end of a lot of that. And as a tandem, they're working really well together. Chicago, their defense, you know, they, they need to do something. They need to make a change there. I've been saying for for a while now that you know John Kennedy Hurtado and Baki Sumari as a tandem. Doesn't really work. It doesn't really work, and uh, you know you need to kind of, you need to get rid of one of them. And when you look at it, you probably figure you know Yallop actually traded for Hurtado, so you know what he's probably not gonna trade get rid of Hurtado when he just brought him in. So you, you know maybe you Saki Sumari make a move um, if you're Chicago, and, and and maybe you go in another direction as far as central defense. But um, I'm I'm interested to see Harrison Ship. You know the the really talented rookie for Chicago, uh, Quincy Americo is back. Uh, from his red card suspension, so you want to see what kind of havoc he can wreak on the Red Bulls defense. But I like the Red Bulls; they're they're at home. They're they're a much better team at home, and I think they're going to cruise in this one. I think they're they're going to win pretty handily. I I think we could see like a three one scoreline in this one. Chicago, though, I mean, the season's already done for them. What what can they do, Ivis, to salvage something? I mean, do they need to make a lot of moves in the off season to to kind of already start focusing on twenty fifteen? Yeah, that's a t- well, it's an interesting one, right? They just lost this last game, but they had the six-match streak of draws, right? So you look at it and you say they haven't been getting crushed. They haven't really gotten crushed in any match. Um, but, but, so but, actually- but how long are you going to hold on hope for? What are you going to say, oh, this is the time when we're going to turn around and, and this and this? I mean, when you look at Chicago's schedule coming up, New York, Sporting Kansas City, Columbus Crew, L.A., Colorado, Seattle, Toronto – all right. That's, I mean, you don't have Philadelphia coming up. You don't have Chivas USA coming up. It's. I mean, when, when do you hit <laughs> yeah. the eject button? When when do you hit it and say, "Look, well, it's the season's done. We we got to start focusing on next year." May is pretty early. I think I don't think any team is going to really, uh, you know, tank the season starting in May or, or start looking ahead. But I think is it is getting close to that time. It is. I agree with you there. And and it, what I'm interested to see is how invested in Yallop the fire are. Yeah. And I think they are. I think they're invested in him. I think they're going to give him more than just this year. I think they have to. Um, and if that's the case, and you're Frank Yellup, then you got to start looking at the younger players. You ha- you have to start giving the younger guys a look. I don't know if I don't, I don't think it starts this week, but I think it starts pretty soon. I think once you get to June, and if you're you know in that really deep hole, then it start to really uh, hand. It's time to start handing the keys to the younger guys, to the Benji Hoyas, Harry Ship. Or even Marco Franco, the rookie, the first round, uh, the first round pick for them, who I really like, and who's been, you know, behind uh, Lavelle Palmer at right back for them. So we'll we'll see what Chicago does. You know, they it, what's interesting is they they returned to to Red Bull Arena, where they were destroyed at the end of 2013, their last game of the last season. Uh, they got annihilated, and uh, that was Frank Klobuchar's last game. So 
Uh, is Yallop in danger? I mean, you know, in, in, I think in almost any other league in the world, a coach in Yallop's shoes would be in jeopardy and would really, you know, be feeling some heat. But you feel like you get the sense that Chicago has invested in Yallop. They need to give him more than a season. Maybe they feel, you know, they probably feel like he inherited something he needed to clean up. He needs more than one season to clean it up. Um, and if that's how the fire feel, then they're going to give him the extra time. But, uh, you know, unless they come out here and find a way to not uh, pull the upset, uh, I agree with you. I think it's it's getting about that time to, to where you kind of call it a season and start playing for twenty, uh, start playing for twenty fifteen and and start giving this what they they do have a, a really good nucleus of young guys, and it's it's almost at that point now where they have to start giving those guys more playing time. Real Salt Lake is the last undefeated team in the league. They take that streak to Houston, taking on the Dynamo Ivis, who have won two games in a row. They defeated Chivas USA last weekend, defeated Columbus Crew 1-0 to in a midweek match. The one thing, Houston, when you look at their lineup, Ivis, they played a lot of starters. Will Bruin, Brad Davis, uh, Oscar Bonnie Garcia, Giles Barnes. The one thing, Real Salt Lake's going to be rested. Think RSL defeats Houston on the road? Ooh, that's a good matchup. That's a good matchup. Uh, mm, ah, that's a. Sh- you know what? I'm gonna say Houston. I'm gonna say Houston. I, I think that. I think it happens. Um, RSL. They, they've they've been living the charmed life, playing really well, finding ways to win. But I think Houston now, with the, with a couple of wins in a row, gaining some confidence. I think their defense is settling in well. Uh, and Houston's not an easy place to play. So I think if you know for RSL, it. Yeah, and you also have to wonder about some of the national team guys on uh, on Real Salt Lake. You know, are they going to have an eye an eye on the camp, looking ahead? I mean, it's only it's only human nature, you know. That's got to be in your mind. I think Houston wins this one. I think they're going to make it an ugly game, make it a tough game. I'm gonna I'm gonna go one zero Dynamo in this one. Really? Are you think guys, veterans like Kyle Beckerman and Nick Armando are going to be concerned with that? Come on, they can tune in on game day. Yeah, probably, but you know, Luis I mean, Gill. Like, I could give you Luis Gill. Luis, he's a young kid. Luis Gill's not. He's not going to training camp. But uh, uh, mm. and is he even back? I think he got hurt again. But uh, you know what? Nah, I don't know. I've seen. I've watched these last couple of Houston games, and look, RSL is clearly better than both teams that Houston beat. But Houston has talent, and and I think when the, when their confidence is high, Dom Kinnear can figure out a way to push the right buttons for them. And I, and I think RSL, much like Seattle, and here's the thing, you know, if you just look at the results, you look at teams and you say, oh, they're rolling, uh, they're 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 like they can't be stopped and this they can't be touched. And RSL has shown vulnerabilities. They've had the battle back. I mean, look, Chicago had them on the ropes, two zero, and Chicago's not a good team. So Houston, I think, is a good team, and I think Houston, from that standpoint, I think they're tough enough to to really make it difficult on RSL. And, uh, you know, I like them to win this game. I think it's going to be a, a pretty tightly contested game. Maybe it ends up a draw, but I'm going to go with Houston. I think Houston, uh, you know, uh, their their defense, I think, holds up. And I think it's going to be a, one, another one of these 1-0 games. Well, the one thing for Real Salt Lake is they have to shut down Brad Davis. You know, ever since he's returned, Houston's won two in a row. He set up multiple goals in both games. If Real Salt Lake can shut down Brad Davis, I mean, it's easier said than done, Ivis. But if they can... I think Real Salt Lake will soundly, not soundly, but I think they'll defeat Houston and continue their undefeated ways. Uh, another game, Montreal taking on Kansas City. Kansas City, Ivis, I mean, they should take care of business against uh, the Montreal Impact. Yeah, absolutely. Sporting KC, I think they'll, you know, as much as yes, you know, you never know when it comes to, uh, you know, what a team can do when they have to travel, when they have to go on a road. You always have to give home teams a chance. But Montreal, man, I mean, we talk about Philly and 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 – John Hackworth being in trouble, but Frank Klopas, I think he might be feeling the heat. 
Uh, Montreal suffered a, a Canadian championship loss with it. You know, they were stunned a bit uh, in their midweek matchup against FC, and Ed, FC Edmonton, an NASL team that's a last place NASL team. Uh, so to lose lose to them in the first leg of that series uh, had to kind of turn some heads there. Some pressure's on Montreal. And you know what? I don't think it's a case. I don't think he's in the same boat that Hackworth's in as far as win or you get fired. But Montreal needs to show something in this game. They can't afford to get steamrolled by KC. So, you know, if I'm Montreal, I'm, you know, they need to come out and have themselves a game. And, uh, uh, you know what? I think they'll make it a game. I think they'll make it a game. And uh, I still like KC, though. I still like KC. They get get, uh, Aurelian calling back. Uh, I'm gonna go KC in a. I hate I hate keep calling these one zero scorelines. You know what? I'll say two zero KC. I think they get get the job done, and Dom Dwyer has himself a nice game. Uh, FC Dallas, Ivis, just like that, they're on three losses in a row. They have to travel. The reward for that is they have to travel up to the Bay Area and take on the San Jose Earthquakes. Earthquakes, you know what they do? They stay in every single game. They don't have the best record, but I mean, at home hosting FC Dallas, who's out who is without Mauro Diaz coming off a midweek game. I think San Jose will take care of business against FC Dallas this weekend. Um, that's a, that's a toss up. That's a real, for me. Uh, yeah, you know, San Jose, they're at home. They should take care of business. I, I'll agree with you there, even though I think I saw something in the Dallas game in, in, in their, in their last couple games, um, against New York and Seattle. I saw, you know, as much as they have struggled and as much as they absolutely miss Mauro Diaz, I think they've shown some quality. Uh, uh, they've shown some character fighting through that. Is that enough to get them a win in San Jose? I don't. I don't think so. I think San Jose is going to get the job done at home. I think they're going to roll. And in the final game of the weekend, Colorado is going to be hosting Chivas USA. Uh, things are going really well for the Rapids right now. You know, the defense is looking really solid. The one thing is they are missing Vicente Sanchez for the year, though. But going up against Chivas USA, Colorado at home, up in the altitude, should defeat Chivas USA. Yeah, this one, I, you know, listen, Chivas USA, they, it's interesting these teams are meeting when they just pulled off uh, pulled off some trades. And, you know, we should talk about those trades real quick. Uh, for those of you who missed it, uh, Chivas USA acquired Marvin Chavez from Colorado uh, in, in a series. They, they acquired him for Luke Moore. Luke Moore went to Colorado. Colorado then traded Luke Moore to Toronto for Gale Agbasumande. Uh, I like the trades actually for all the players involved. I think the change of scenery will help Chavez – Agbasumande and Luke Moore. And also Ryan Finley was traded by the Columbus mm-hmm. Crew to Chivas USA uh, for a 2016 second-round pick. And, and you know, Finley was a first-round pick a year ago. Didn't quite pan out in Columbus. Didn't really work out there. Um, but Chivas USA, it's clear they need to uh, do something with their roster. So they went out and, and added a couple of players. I like the additions. I think Marvin Chavez gives them something good on the wing. If he can kind of, you know, step his game up and show what he showed when he was at San Jose – Obviously, uh, Colorado wasn't a good fit for him. Ryan Finley, I know people in Columbus have written him off because he didn't he didn't light it up and he struggled and he went to USL Pro and didn't do well there either. I, I tell you what, I like his talent. I liked him in, at Notre Dame. I think the talent is there. I think the right coach can get something out of him. Uh, and maybe the change of scenery there helps him. That being said, Colorado, I think they roll. I think they're just a better team than Chivas. They're at home. It's tough to win there. I think Colorado rolls in this one. I think Colorado could put up a, a, a three spot. On Chivas. I'm going to go 3-0. Three, nil. three spot. I'll say uh, four spot just to uh, just to do you one better, <laughs> Ivis. There you go. There yeah. you go. I should have said it. I should have said it. Yeah, you should have said it. It's because you're, you know, you're too much of a chicken sometimes. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's what I am. Sometimes you are. I mean, I, I, look, I'm just uh, – this is what I hear from people. So 
That's what people. <laughs> that's what pe- this is what people tell me. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a scaredy cat. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's time to move over to the Americans Abroad front. Josie Outdoor. All you haters can shut up now. Sunderland avoid relegation. The move worked out. Fair to say, Ivis. What move worked out for Josie Outdoor to go to England? He didn't get. He didn't get <laughs> sent down. <laughs> Uh, if only it were that simple. <laughs> yeah, uh, come on, I'm looking, I'm looking at the positives here. Well, you know what? L- 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 one step at a time. Sunderland, you got to give them credit. Because I don't think people understand what this team just did. Because I know some people who maybe don't get the whole promotion relegation thing, and they'll, they'll be like, why are they so happy that they, they're just the, at the fact that they're coming back next year? Listen, five games ago, it looked like they were toast. And I, I mean, I even said it on this show when, because where they sat when, uh, in the standings and the games they had left on their schedule, you just didn't give them any hope at all. I mean, they had road games against Manchester City, Chelsea, and Manchester United, three of the absolute toughest places to go play in the Premier League, and they got three results. They tied Man City, nearly beat them, and that got them going. They go and beat Chelsea, which was really probably the biggest shock of all of them because Chelsea just doesn't lose at home, under, uh, you know, especially under uh, Jose Mourinho. And then they beat Man United and it just set the ball rolling uh, for them. And that's why they call it the great escape because they were dead to rights. They were going down, and then they pull off that run of games. You have to, you have to be impressed with what Gustavo Poyet has done there as manager. As far as Jose Altador, the question remains, and I, th- I feel like we talked about it last show, does he stay or does he go? And th- I think I think there's a bigger chance of him staying now that Sunderland is back up. But I still don't think it's a great chance of him staying because, again, it all comes down to Poyet. What does Poyet see in Altador? What kind of role does he see? What kind of potential does he still see in him? And it should be noted that he played Altador in some pretty big games. He didn't start, but he played him in some pretty big games. He, he showed that confidence in him to give him some minutes and some really important games. Um, so for me, as I wrote in my gold.com piece, I think anything's possible at this point. And I think how Altador does at the World Cup is also going to play a part because, you know, for I think for Sunderland to sell a player that they just bought a year ago for $13 million, I think they need to be able to get uh, a pretty decent transfer in return. And in order for that to happen, I think Altador needs to have himself a strong World Cup. So if Altidore has a strong World Cup, then the interest rises, and then you could see you know, teams from Germany or Italy or even the Premier League that uh, come in uh, to try to make a bid for Altidore. Um, but again, it's up to Poyet. Does Poyet well, first of all, Poyet, I don't even think he's locked in as the manager next year. I think that's a foregone conclusion. I think he should be back. I think it'd be crazy for both sides to not come back. I mean, you know, why wouldn't you after the after the, the magic you pulled off? But let's just let's just say hypothetically, if Gus Poyet is back, it's up to him. Does he want Altador? Does he want to keep him? Does he want not to keep him? And I know some people will say, oh, well, he scored one goal. You got to get rid of him. It's not that simple, folks. Altador is on the first year of his deal. He doesn't have to go anywhere if he doesn't want to go anywhere. He is making crazy money. In the Premier League, I don't think people realize how much more the Premier League pays than other leagues in the world. I mean, it's a whole nother level. There's a reason every player wants to play in the Premier League. Oh, not every player, but most players, their dream is the Premier League. And it's not just because of the, you know, the majesty and the history. and the, It's because of the wags. It's because of the cash, man. It's the money. The, the, the money that these players are on is insane. Altidore, the money Altidore is making in on this Sunderland contract, he's not going to make it in any other league. So... 
you know, as much as, you know, if Sunderland wants to get rid of him, they need he he has to agree to it. This is an MLS where, you know, if you don't like a player, you get rid of him and you don't have to worry about it. The player has to agree. So uh, I think for Josie Altidore, if he, you know, if the situation's right, if the right club came along mm-hmm. and the right price was met, then I think Altidore would leave. But I think it's going to come down to what Poyet wants, what Poyet and Altidore come to an agreement on. And you know what? He could stay. He could stay. I, I, and I wouldn't have said that a month ago. Well, a good World Cup would, I mean, obviously increase Josie Altidore's chances of staying too. I mean, once he goes no, down, he scores a couple of goals. Honestly, I, don't, honestly I, don't, I don't see it that way because the world, here's the thing. Sunderland saw him for a year. They had him for a year. Whatever he does at the World Cup isn't going to uh, uh, affect their opinion of him. They have firsthand experience with the guy. So they, that's what they're going to go on. They're not going to go on what he does at the World Cup because they already know him. They have him as their player. Uh, other teams that don't have him as their player, they, you know, they're going to see him at the World Cup and see what he does and think, oh, you know, he's that kind of he's a good player. You know, we want to pay X amount of dollars for him. So that's why I say if he has a good World Cup, I think it ups his chances of leaving because then you can get a bigger price that'll make it worth Sunderland's while to to send him away. Uh, but no, I don't think if he lights up the World Cup, I don't think all of a sudden Sunderland is going to be like, well, you know, the, oh, hey, he, he remembered how to score. We're going to bring him back. I don't I don't honestly mm. I don't see it that way. Uh, well, I have a stain in Europe. Timmy Chandler and Nuremberg are going to be hoping to avoid relegation. They have a big game against Schalke this weekend. Bad thing, though, is Timmy Chandler's not playing. Nuremberg needs three points to avoid the automatic relegation. If they win, they'll get the 16th spot in the Bundesliga, which means they'll be in that qualification for the relegation playoffs. Uh, but this is a huge game for them. And unfortunately, Timmy Chandler can't play due to yellow card uh, accumulation that he's had over the last two games. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a unique situation. And look, he might not be back either way. He might not, uh, you know, he might not be back with them. And there's been a lot of rumors about him moving on to to elsewhere in the Premier in the Premier League in the Bundesliga. Um, but yeah, this one definitely bears watching because you know, obviously, if they win, if they if they you know can win and avoid the automatic relegation, then all of a sudden they have to play in a playoff for. Uh, survival, and that means another week for Chandler in Germany. And on one hand, and I'm say, on one hand, maybe he misses the start of camp. And again, this is assuming he gets called up to the 30. I think it's a foregone conclusion. But again, we don't know for sure. He hasn't been with the team in 14 months, so in a way, it's kind of we're speculating. But I think it's fair fair to say I think he's going to be part of the 30. Um, as much as yes, he could miss the first week of the training camp. I think it would be. I think it, it's better for him to get a couple more games. We're talking about a guy who missed 10 weeks. With a torn meniscus, he's only played two games since he returned, and you know I think it would definitely be uh, much better for him if he can get two more games, uh, especially intense atmosphere. They're going to be playing in the in the relegation playoff, um, and you know they'll be they'll be favored obviously against the Bundesliga two team. Uh, so I hope you know hopefully hopefully for his sake and their sake that they beat Schalke, and and they get to that playoff and they get a few more games for Chandler to play because I, I've been saying it for a while now. An informed Chandler is on the 23. I believe. I believe he's good enough to be on the 23-man roster, and getting a few more games can only help him get closer to that. Moving over to international soccer news. Ivis, Mexico, and Germany have released the World Cup squads. Mexico, as we should expect, you know, Dos Santos, uh, Rafael Marquez is going to be in there. Chicharito is going to be there. You know, for Mexico, man, it's a clean slate. They can forget about the horrible qualification because – all that matters, Ivis, is that they made the World Cup, and that's what's important. 
<laughs> no, I, that's not that's not all that matters, folks. I can tell you what Mexico, their fans are over the whole survival thing. They want to do well at the World Cup, and they it, it doesn't matter it, it, what the qualifying round was. A qualifying round, they want to do well. They their fans want to do well, and if they crap the bed and go three and out. <laughs> Their fans will be just as angry. Trust me on that one. So no, the, yeah, it, no, no, I'm saying, I'm saying that that they're happy that they qualified for the World Cup. Of course, well, the qualifications, regardless, at this point, who gives a crap if they sucked, or as you like to say, crap the bed. Well, no kidding. They ha- is that news? They're happy that they made the World Cup. I don't know. I mean, some people probably weren't happy about it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure most people in Mexico, 99.999 percent of people in Mexico, were happy, and only the Americans who were living there probably weren't happy about it. But anyway. It's uh, you know what it, it, I don't you didn't see any surprises there. I mean, obviously Carlos, Carlos Vela didn't make a magical surprise inclusion to the squad. That ship sailed. Uh, there's no going back now for him. Uh, but yeah, you want to see how they do. You know, Rafa Marquez. He's not. He's you know 95 years old and has he going to hold up at the World Cup? I know he did well for them. He's done well for them lately. But I tell you what, I've said it over and over. Older defenders get exposed at the World Cup, and he could be in for a bad one. Germany also released their roster. I was, as expected, it's going to be strong with Philip Long, Schweinsteiger, Mueller, uh, Podolski. I mean, first, and it's it's crazy because you know you, a guy like Mario Gomez, who's a good player, gets left at home. I mean, Germany's uh, the squad that they're bringing to Brazil is, I mean, as we knew, it, it's just incredibly strong and incredibly deep. No surprises, and and it's crazy to think. I mean, when you look at some of the players that they didn't even a- a- include in their thirty. Uh, when you're talking about Mario Gomez and Mark Terstegen, the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper who's about to go to Barcelona, and he can't even make the he can't even make the preliminary squad. I mean that 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 tells you right there, just the quality that they have on that team. And uh, you know what, it, it, you know, I, I maybe you know, you, I'm sure USA fans are are crossing their fingers and hope that the scenario plays out where Germany wins the first two games, sits their starters, plays the B team against the U.S. in that final match. That's still entirely possible, but. You know what? Take a look at that roster, folks. The B team isn't isn't exactly you know they're not exactly a pushover because I can tell you right now. I know some people might think back to the game in DC, right? The centennial match that the US beat the Germans. That was a C team, folks. That wasn't even that was, the, that was a B team. Stop it. It was not a B team. That was I a mean, B perfect. team. No, it wasn't. It was absolutely a C team because hey, they were missing Bayern and uh, Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund players. In that matchup, and look, perfect example, Mark Terstegen, the goalkeeper who, who had the, the, the big-time blunder that gifted the U.S. a goal in that game, he didn't even make the 30-man roster. He's a quality young goalkeeper. He's going to Barcelona. He's not making this roster. So I'm telling you, that German B team, if, if things go the way you, know, you kind of hope it goes and they, can, and they have their B team uh, play the Americans, that B team's not going to be a pushover. That B team's going to be loaded with guys who are you know eight figure transfer price players? So those of you hoping that yeah you know we get an easy German team. There is no scenario where there's an easy German team. They could be an easier German team, but it's still going to be a tough one for the U.S. Well, Ivis, that wraps up today's show and the MLS Week Ten weekend preview. I think I said weekend there twice. Uh, Ivis, I think we covered everything. Anything else we need to say before before we let you go? Uh, no, that's it. I mean, it's good. You know, this is going to be a very obviously important weekend for a lot of players, uh, a lot of uh, guys who want to maybe turn Klinsman's head one last time and, and get on the roster. I don't know how many roster spots are still up for grabs at this point. Uh, training camp roster spots. Uh, but definitely for someone like Eddie Johnson, it's going to be important for him to, to get on the field and show that he's healthy and, and, and ready to go. 
but again, you know, obviously injury is always a concern, and, and you're going to keep your fingers crossed that that all the American players come through unscathed. But uh, you know, this is a big week. This is a big weekend. Uh, big weekend for some coaches. Big weekend for some some national team uh, hopefuls. And uh, this is a weekend to sit by the couch, get all your TVs fired up because it, it, it's going to be an it's going to be a good one. I agree with you 100% on that, Ivis. I couldn't have said it any better myself. I would have stumbled and, and pronounced some words there wrong, so that's why, that's why I'm glad you said it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I will admit, I, I was pretty crap on this on both shows last this week, so I'll step it up next week, I promise, Ivis. Nah, well, I think we're all right. I think this is yeah, I, 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 feel, I feel crap. We're also rushing to get it out, so you know, I, I, think, I think people will be happy. Hopefully we can get it out in, in time for some people to maybe listen to it on their commutes home. So uh, hopefully hopefully we can pull that off. Yeah, and we're not going to end a 20-minute goodbye. So we're actually going to end it right now. Ivis, have a good weekend, man. You too, my man. And as always, everyone, thank you for the reviews. Thank you for the comments. Ivis and I will be back again on Sunday talking U.S. men's national team. This is the SBI Show.